The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Good to be back on the air, buddy. We had a week off. I know. Finally. Normally, pleasant. you can't stay in that sort of thing. You always just try to power through, but I'm glad you decided to shut down the show. I was getting the shakes a little bit. Just not yep. not having a microphone to talk into for a week. It was yeah. it was it was nerve wracking. We, 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 you know, we, it was a good break from both of us, and I think we realized we don't really need to do this anymore. So this will be our last show. No, on... come on. Okay, well, we're not breaking that news now. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Wait. How could you possibly even consider packing it in when we are so dangerously close to 100 episodes? We can taste like those people, triple digits, people man. Would, people would remember that you pack it in while you're on top. We're not on top. We had a really good run, run of shows last year. It's been kind of going downhill ever since. Last year was a good year. Last 2016. year was a good year. Yeah. I mean, terrible for the whole world. Good for our podcast, though. Yeah. So uh, we're going we're gonna to miss you guys. Ryan's going to have to spend more time regaining some of his certifications that have been lost off the wall. Um, nice call back to last week. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, yeah, I had a, I had a pleasant uh, sort of a weekend up north in uh, New Jersey with uh, my girlfriend and uh, her family. Oh, you were also delightful. up north. I was at uh, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Um, Slowly, I turned. What's that? It's something that made probably very few people in the audience will understand. Those are the references you specialize in. Yep. I want to talk all about it in just a second, but first, oh, first let's he's just do the do housekeeping the, stuff. He's got to do the housekeeping, which he doesn't do in the house. That's true. Like his actual physical domain, he is not master of. I mean, what man is, frankly. Yes. Do you, so, I mean, last few weeks you've been doing like the housekeeping thing. You've been doing a great job oh, at it. Right. Do you just so want to keep that streak going? If you wanna, uh, okay, so uh, contact the show at Break the Business. At gmail.com, send in those emails, please. Ryan reads every single one of them. Why? Because we don't have an intern. Two, follow us on Twitter. Me, at MetalDave85. Ryan, at Ryan, K-A-I-R. Why? Because he cares, but not enough to spell it right. All right. Subscribe at, to the podcast. How did this get made? All right. It, this is this is a really good show. Dave, Dave, Dave. That, that's a good podcast too, but that's not the one we want him to subscribe oh, this is to not, right oh, now. Oh, we're not doing the bad movie. So is bad movie podcast right now. That'd be great. They have a good audience. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, well. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, my name is Doug, and I love movies. <laughs> we're not doing that one either. We're not doing that one either. Okay. All right, Ryan, it's time to go over Jack the Ripper in our series of favorite murders. I knew, I knew that one was coming next, like some kind of true crime thing. Okay, we're not doing my favorite murder? We're not doing that one either. Okay, is this NPR? No. Slate? No. Gaslight Network? No. Is it Gaslight? No, that's something else. Gaslight. Is there some other gas network? And it's not gas Smodcast. Digital? Kevin Smith is not in the bathroom? No. Wow, this, this show has fallen off <laughs> precipitously. Anyway, yes, yeah, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes. Give us a five-star rating out there. If you don't, you're es- essentially a bad person. There you go. Just right. stealing content for free. How about the website? The website? Does this thing have a website? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a Facebook page. I don't consider that a website. No, there, the there's an actual honest-to-God website. No, there's not. I, Dave. Wait, really? Dave, we've been doing this since 2015. No, there's not. No, no. 
take it just just break the business.com thank you yes Is, what's on it the the podcast and your book probably yeah but nothing else i mean there might be some pretty logo artwork so uh, I think that was all the uh, all of our bona fides uh, I, out there. I think you hit on everything. Oh yeah, yeah subscribe oh. to us: iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, S- Google Play, Stitcher. Not Stitcher Premium, apparently, because why would we get money for this? Very good. Our guest in the next segment, a great friend of the show. We had him back on in 2015, and he's back again, DJ Spruik. Last time we had him on the show, Dave, we talked about his concept album, "Music to Die Alone in Space 2. It was kind of a cool idea. It was an EDM album that tells the story of an astronaut being stranded in space. And it really was a game-changing kind of album. It changed what it means to create, promote, distribute, and fundraise your music. And he did something with this album that you couldn't do 20 or even 10 years ago, which is make an album, only sell a couple hundred copies, not tour, but still make a lot of money. And now he's got another album, which is going to be even more ambitious than the first. And I see that look on your face like, well, how the hell did he do that? But you're going to have to Wait. stick around to the interview and find out. So you said he sold not many copies? About a couple hundred. And didn't go on tour for it? No. And made a ton of money. Ryan, you, you need to be responsible. Stop advocating our listeners to rob banks. <laughs> this is not hell or high water. <laughs> I thought you were going to either do that or money laundering. But no, a completely legitimate enterprise in which he made lots of money because he changed what it means to even distribute music. Every fan got a unique copy of the record that they were willing to pay a premium for on his Kickstarter page, gave each fan a unique experience. And it was something you can't do 20 years ago because you can't mass produce individualized records back then, but you can do it now. And he was able to take advantage of this new model and create something really cool. And he's got a really cool project coming up this year that he's going to talk about in the next segment. It's going to sell even less, but make even more. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I was in Niagara Falls this past week. And, All right. Yeah. And take I, it in the falls. Made it the mist, buddy. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? No. Oh, because, like, you just totally used the name of the ship. I figured you were down with the falls. Yeah, I also never been to Seattle, but I can say Space Needle, buddy. <laughs> Why is a Polly Shore? I don't know. Here, anyway. Um, so you went to Niagara Falls. It was magical. What an underrated vacation destination! Isn't it kind of a tourist trap beside the falls? A lot of casinos. Well, you'd think so. Yes, because there's an American side and a Canadian side, right? You don't say. And when I and when you think tourist trap, you probably think United States. But actually, the tourist trap side of the falls is the Canadian side. The American side of the falls is all state parks, so it's nothing but trees mm-hmm. and greenery and rivers and lakes and parkland and all the casinos and restaurants and video arcades and tourist traps are on the Canada side. But both sides are really fun. Wow, dude! And it's a fun destination. Strong, strong words going against Canada. I know. I'm just just ripping on them. Uh, what's going on here, boys? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, a, a little slow on the button there, eh, Ryan? How's that going, eh? Oh, I, I had a feeling that it was only a matter of time if I started even slightly sounding like I was hating on Canada, that Canada Day would show up. Yeah, well, Ryan, I guess uh, I'm not sure why you're trashing my uh, my fair country, you know, the true north, strong and free, eh? True enough. Um, You know, you, you're not exactly doing so great down there yourself, you know? Oh, it's been... Uh, it's... It's been a rough few weeks yeah. for uh, America lately. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't think we're not thinking of building a wall to keep you crazies out. 
<laughs> the music just ended like right at the yeah, exact okay. moment. Okay, it's there. it's That's gonna good. be a, a whole bunch of twenty four packs of Labats. Okay. Are, are being amassed on the border right now. Yeah, maybe it's you stack the wall with Labatt's and then have like Molson bottles on the top. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 both ingenious because it's not going to cost a lot because we got the resources right there. But right. also, you know, it, it's it's not really permanent because uh, we're we're, ju- we're just going to drink it. <laughs> so that that's a problem. Then he got just a bunch of empties, and uh, it doesn't take much effort to get oh. through that. Anyway, buddy, how did you like my homeland, eh? Well, you, I did get to go to Canada. In fact, I spent about a day and a half there. We spent about a half day on the Canadian side of the falls. Oh. And I spent a whole day in Toronto. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, here's the American tourist right now, eh? Why? Yeah, you're just butchering the English language. Toronto. That's better. You say Toronto, buddy. You don't pronounce the second T in Toronto. Every every good-blooded Canadian man, woman, and child knows that. Is eh? that right, candidate? You don't say Toronto. Toronto. You say Toronto. Yeah. What kind of moron uses a second T? Well, okay. It's, it's in the word. Like I figured you'd want us to spell all the letters you put in the word. Yeah. So is the letter B at the end of dumb, Ryan. But you don't say it anyway. <laughs> hey, oh, that explains you. <laughs> okay. I'm actually glad you're here, candidate. Okay, good. So what did you do in Toronto, eh? I had the time of my life. Oh. Let, I, I want to be able to tell this to a true Canadian that is across the table from me. Oh, yep. That... None none truer. <laughs> true no like one true more North. Canadian than I, eh? Toronto. Oh, no. Toronto. Toronto. Oh, this is getting borderline racist. Oh, my God. Okay, whatever you call that city, that city is magical. It is. What an amazing city. I never wanted to leave. It was so fantastic. Why did you, buddy? Because, oh, you know, eventually, you know, I couldn't stay there forever. That's right. We do actually also have our own sort of uh, royal mounted uh, immigration services. That they'll, they'll take you by the, the, the horse and drag you out. No, I'm joking, buddy. We're not savages. <laughs> oh, damn. I actually, just to show there's no hard feelings in the mean things I just said about the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. It's a, it's a, it's a wound that may never recover. Well, I actually have a gift for you, Canada. You do? Yes, I do, sir. This is unexpected. Um, so feelings don't while I was in Toronto, oh. I paid a visit to oh, the boy. Hockey Hall of Fame. The HHOF? <laughs> yes, I think I guess that's what they call it. Yes, and right. I got hockey you, Hall of Fame. HHO. And oh I got you God. a Hockey Hall this of Fame t shirt and sticker. A bona fide Hockey Hall of Fame shirt. Ooh, it's a good size, too. Extra large. We got a, it's, it's an extra space for Canada's beer belly. <laughs> And the maple syrup. Oh wow, this is a, this is a great hockey hall of fame and le tempo de la renommée du hockey. Oh boy, all right. It's not personalized on the back, which I would have preferred. But uh, the wound that which not heretofore ne'er w- would heal has begun the healing. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. How do you say the city's name again? Toronto. Okay, we got we got work to do, buddy. There's just like no T, apparently, according to you. Oh, that's um, cool. I have I actually even though can't I live in Canada, I have yet to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Eh? It is so much. I saw fun. a video of you playing goalie. Um, interesting yes. form. <laughs> yes, there was a an exhibit at the Hockey Hall of Fame where you could like you 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 are goalie and there's a video screen that shoots pucks at you through the screen and you have to play the net. Yeah, and I was terrible. I mean, my. I stopped most of the shots on the hardest mode, so let that be said. But it wasn't my the real form was bad. It wasn't the real vulcanized rubber, though, was it? They were foam pucks. Well, because okay. you weren't wearing padding. And you, you didn't have a mask on, but you, you, you had the hat. Folks, now for people that don't know, maybe if you're familiar with the film Caddyshack, and when Judge Smales like, tries on that hat in the pro shop, and uh, Rodney Dangerfield goes, Oh, look at a hat like this. I'm going to get a free bowl of soup with a hat like this. 
So wait, was that a, anyway? Was that a Canadian? Was that you doing an impression of a Canadian doing a, an impression of Rodney Dangerfield? Right, and I'm just a Canadian doing an impression oh, of so, Rodney Dangerfield. Of course, sorry. Oh, oh I'm sorry, you, you, you racist SOB. I thought be like, oh boy, I got a hat like this. I bet you I get a free bowl of soup, buddy. <laughs> anyway, you were wearing that horrible hat while playing in goal using the stand-up method sort of uh, of the first half of the 20th century. Not, not, re- not really getting in the butterfly there, buddy. No, certainly not. It's not protecting the five hole in the slightest. Oh, t- no. <laughs> but yeah, but my- you had fun. It was so much fun. And, oh, there was also an exhibit on the other side where you could shoot um, against a TV screen that had, like, a goalie. So it was, like, shooting on a a goalie in the NHL. And apparently I was holding the stick the wrong way because I've never held a hockey stick in my life. That's believable. Yeah. So um, that perhaps contributed to the fact that I only scored, like, one goal out of ten. Oh, but... Yeah. (laughs) 10% shooting yeah, percentage there, buddy. That yeah. is not going right. to get you uh, into the big leagues. That's, that's not going to get you in the show. That's pretty bad considering that, like, you know, I wasn't moving on skates and, you know, yeah. I wasn't on ice and I could stand still while I shot and I still yeah, only got I, one out I of 10. I think the entire team, uh, junior team of the uh, Kitchener Rangers <laughs> could probably shoot better than you, buddy. Or, <laughs> or even the Peterborough Peets, too. <laughs> There was a little kid that went right after me who couldn't have been more than five years old, and he got like seven out of ten. So Okay, and then he looked at you, dropped the stick, and said, Get out of my rink, you American loser. Well, he actually dropped you his gloves and pulled my shirt over. My oh, head. I believe that. <laughs> oh, wait, that was my nephew. <laughs> um, Kenna Dan. So <laughs> I want to say one more thing about Toronto before we get into music business yes. stuff. And, because, and I, hope oh. you, I hope you paid attention to the Hockey Hall of Fame, Ryan, because uh, you may be quizzed on it later. Oh, I, I don't know if we did anything in the Hall of Fame other than play in those, like, two video game exhibits. Okay, well, then you're going down, buddy, when we have a rousing <laughs> game of Hockey Hall of Fame or Hoser Talk coming up. Oh, no. Oh, wow, we're actually teasing a game. This is cool. This is the oh, first is, time. is that actually the game? Oh, I'm so screwed. Anyway, before we get into the music stuff, because this is a music industry podcast, despite our extensive discussion of Canada would make you think. Not really. Um, there, is one, there was one thing about Canada that I thought was really interesting. And I wanted to share it one, with you. One because, thing. Yeah, well, okay, okay, Curly. What, what was the one thing? Well, the most interesting thing. So did we, you even get what I did there? No, Curly. The one thing that was most interesting, Curly? One thing? Billy Crystal? City know. Slickers? Man. You know what? Stop the show. You're done. No. <laughs> I'm going to. Have you ever had a reference in this century on this show? Oh, pardon me. I've used I, I referenced a film from the 20th century up until 17 years ago, the only century I'm of motion saying, picture history. I would venture to say that the majority of our listeners were not alive during either of the two City Slickers <clears throat> movies. I'm just going to guess what you said about the Toronto things would be the music business. Toronto is m- music business friendly, and they really like the no. It has artists. nothing to do with music industry. Oh, so here's the interesting. Although it, I'm sure it has a fantastic music scene because just what a fun city all around, but. So we took the train from Niagara Falls to Toronto. It's like a two-hour train ride. Toronto. And we, damn it. And we got the tickets online, you know, we, you know, like, like you, you often do with train tickets. And we brought our tickets to the station, and we walked onto the train, took the train, you know, spent the day in Toronto, walked on the train, came back to Niagara Falls, and realized at no point did anybody ask for our ticket. We didn't have to give our ticket to anybody. There was no ticket taker. There was nobody on the train that asked for a ticket. Because it's Canada, and it's an honor system, and no one would, I guess no one would even think of sneaking onto the train in Canada, because it's a magical place where people don't do that sort of thing. Like, wow. Yeah, buddy, it's it's quite a nice place. You know, we, we trust people, unlike you down there, apparently, buddy. Yeah. You know, 
But, I mean, kind of makes me regret paying for the tickets, but... Well, don't do that, buddy, because you, you, you got to pay into the system. Because that's because that's because if because if we don't if we take advantage of it, then the honor system's ruined. You're absolutely right. All right. Yeah. Then then what would you be? You know, an American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, read an interesting article recently in Spin Magazine. This is going to be. Oh wait, is, so is, am I still talking to Canada Dave, or can I get Dave back for this law segment? Unless Canada Dave's a lawyer too, or you don't think I didn't go get. My barrister's li- like uh, licensing up there. <laughs> Did you have to wear the powdered wigs, or is that just England? Like, does Canada do that too? Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Wow, you'd think as a Canadian lawyer he would know that, but <laughs> well, one time, <coughs> Whoa, careful there. Uh, the, the, the August winters are starting to heat up now. <laughs> By heat up, I mean cool. Yeah, I gotcha. You know, one time there was a, a, a judge I was before, and I noticed his wig was moving. And it turns out it was a wolf lying on no. top of the judge. And then t- it was, uh, I, was, I was horrified, thinking, oh, my God, this wolf has come in to infiltrate. But then I realized the judge also was a wolf, and it was just two wolves. Oh, wow. So it was, it was double trouble. It was, <laughs> Ryan, it was double jeopardy for me. <laughs> I said, bailiff, oh, what's going on here? And it turns out he was a bay wolf. Good night, everybody. Reddit. All right. So See, you know, and that's that's how we end the show on the, a high note. Let's that's go. not how we end the show. We still have Sprout coming in. We have a C block. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, as well as this article. All right. Talk about your spin. Your yeah. spin cycle. So, on, uh, so yeah, I don't know who I'm talking to here. This could be David. Could be Canada Dave. Whatever. Read an interesting article in Spin Magazine recently. Um, remember a few weeks ago, Dave, we talked on this show about Gene Simmons's recent attempt to trademark the devil horns gesture. Moron. Yeah, you weren't a fan of that. Metal Dave wasn't a fan of that by any stretch of the imagination. And music fans in general weren't a fan of that. Especially not Wendy Dio. Yeah, certainly not. Um, And he faced a lot of backlash, which caused him to pull back that attempt to register the trademark. He abandoned the application. And frankly, he faced an almost certain chance that he was going to fail to get that trademark anyway, because people have been doing those devil horns long before he was a thing in music. And you would expect Gene Simmons to maybe just walk away, tail between his legs, realize that he did something stupid. Oh, not Gene. Not Gene. You're absolutely right. He he doubled down on this, uh, on his attempt, and he was asked whether he regretted the decision to try to file the trademark in the first place. And he says, I regret nothing. Wake up every morning and let your conscience be your guide. Did you know I own the money bag logo? The dollar sign with the bag of money? I own all kinds of things. I own motion pictures as a trademark. Anyone who thinks that's silly, the silliest thing I've ever done is wear more makeup and higher heels than your mommy. People say, you can't do that. Actually, bitch, I can. I can do anything I want to do. Right. Quick uh, sort of note, uh, thing I've noticed here. Do you think he sounds uh, sounds eerily a lot like your, your president right now, your president? Just sort of like... Uh... I own the dollar sign. I own this. I have this. I have a huge, I have the biggest winery in Virginia. Man, that's true. I feel like that would have been a fun game. Like, did, who said this, Gene Simmons or Donald Trump? Because, yeah, he could have, like, that, I mean, yeah, just saying he owns random things yeah. and, you know, I have all this power. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. God, I wish we had Trudeau here. <laughs> yeah, buddy. We, he's not for sale, though. Yeah. Those, those blue eyes oh. are staying right where they are in he's, Ottawa. He's so dreamy with his perfect eyes and his free trains. Um, His comments are actually really interesting. And 
And, and as a musician and as just a human being, you might be afraid of what he's saying. Like, does he really own the money bag logo? Can he no. possibly own motion pictures? Can he do whatever he wants in trademarking? Of course not. And as we break down these comments, we can actually learn a lot Wait, from musicians. Wait, you're actually breaking down this so as a teaching moment? Yes, this is a teachable moment. There's something How? for musicians to learn here. This seems impossible. Well, I mean, we're going to find out, aren't we? I mean, just don't be an arrogant sod. That's kind of what I do each week. We've, we've built a brand here. I'm an arrogant sod. You make fun of me for being an arrogant sod. We've been doing this for almost 100 episodes now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it ain't broke, man. Um, so, but we can break this down. And there is something to be learned in the trademarking world about why Gene Simmons is wrong. So he claims in the quote, for example, that he owns the Moneybag logo, implying that he has the exclusive right to use the sack with a dollar sign on it in all areas of commerce, and if you try to use the sack with the dollar sign on it, uh, whatever you're going to do, then you know the full Kiss army is going to come after you with just reckless abandon. And of course that's not true, because that's not how trademarks work. When you register a trademark, you can only get it for the particular goods and services classes that you actually want to use it in. So Gene Simmons does have a trademark for a money bag logo in a small article in a smaller goods and services class, which is some articles of clothing, but that wouldn't stop you from using that a different money bag logo in other goods and services areas. So musicians, people, human beings, don't let Gene Simmons comments scare you um, because right. he doesn't own money bags throughout yes. the universe. That's not how it works. In fact, just start recording and releasing versions of rock and roll all night. That's not what I'm saying. That's what, that's that's what he absolutely, said. Oh, okay. That would be such a bad idea. I, I see the wink. I see the wink. Okay. I see the wink. Well, you know what? We're going to turn this into another teachable moment. If you do want to record your own version of rock and roll all night, you can do that. You just have to get a mechanical license, and, and you can and make and distribute and, your... And the other eye is winking now. Okay, I like this. I like this. <laughs> That's really funny. I like the bit where, like, you'll try to make fun of me for something I've said, and then I actually managed to turn it into another teachable moment. Boom! People learning stuff. All right. Um, but So that's not how it works. So how does it work? If you want to register a trademark for something as a musician, let's say it's your band name or a logo... You need to use, all you have to do is use that name or logo in a particular goods and services category, and then you just apply to get your trademark registration for that mark, and you do that at USPTO.gov. And so there are about, there are four categories for goods and services that are good ones for musicians, and there are more, but some goods and services categories you might want to look into applying for are Class 9, which is sound recordings, Class 16, which is posters and other promotional materials, Class 25, which is clothing and apparel, and class 41, which is live performances. I'm class 99 bored. You're a lawyer. You are a practicing attorney. You should care about law. Eh, yet I don't. <laughs> well, that's your department. Look, these things are important, even, even if, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm talking to Dave or Canada Dave here, but even if either of them think this is boring, this is this is about protecting your brand as an artist. Trademark registration is super important, and your brand is such a valuable asset, perhaps your most valuable, and it's vital for your music career to thrive. But the disclaimer is, this stuff can get really confusing, and there are often going to be exceptions to the tips that we've just given you. So please, 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 when you're in the trademark world, get a lawyer to help you so that you can protect your brand right. 
All right, DJ Sprout coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. He is an electro-pop DJ based out of Buffalo, New York. His ambitious 2015 LP, Music to Die Alone in Space 2, raised over $25,000 on Kickstarter and featured hundreds of unique albums of music being sent to his fans. He is currently working on a conceptual sequel to that work while hosting his weekly podcast, Bump in the Night. You can find out more about these projects by visiting www.spruik.net. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Bolden, a.k.a. DJ Spruik, is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Bill, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Of course. It is great to hear from you again. We last had you on the podcast in October of 2015. At that point, to kind of refresh your memory, you had just finished the successful Kickstarter campaign for Music to Die Alone in Space 2. It was an electronic album in which backers received unique musical recordings telling the narrative of an astronaut adrift in space. It was cool and it was ambitious. And now I'm talking to you with that album in your rearview mirror. So with that in mind, can you tell the folks a bit more about the project? Because I'm not sure my description did it justice. And tell them what it's been like making so many unique copies of music for your fans. You must be beyond exhausted. Uh, Absolutely. It's been uh, quite the undertaking. um, And huge, huge shout outs to my wife who helped me carry it across the finish line when I couldn't anymore. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it. Let's just start with the concept. So Music to Die Alone in Space 2 was grown out of a realization I had, particularly as a DJ, understanding that music has become very cheap and cheapened, even though it's better than ever, which is the big paradox that I believe most musicians in our era are struggling with. Um, you may make the perfect prog rock album to ever exist, but it doesn't really matter. There are millions of songs out there. There are entire genres of music, such as the increasingly infinite subdivisions of uh, EDM, that exist only because they are interchangeable with thousands of other songs. For instance, you can have these um, subdivisions such as uh, Tech House or Detroit House, where the whole point is that it sounds like hundreds of other songs that exist. And it's just hard to stand out from the crowd because our streaming experience has made music essentially discardable. Somebody can have Beyonce as their favorite artist and live for years listening to and loving all Beyonce's music and never giving her a dime. I believe people are fighting back against this concept. I believe that there are individual consumers who are choosing to make music valuable to them again. And we see that with the coming of the vinyl era. So people are going and finding their favorite music on vinyl, even though they could have easily streamed it in better fidelity. Uh, People say it sounds better on vinyl. That's cool if they think that. But I think the really important thing is the deliberate choice to narrow down your palette again of making music valuable. Like, I own this. It is this album. It is not a million other albums. I wanted to look for another way to make music valuable. 
That is where Music to Die Alone in Space 2 came from. What if you had something even more unique than a copy of a vinyl, something more tangible? What if you had the only copy of that album to exist? And so I had the concept for an album where for every backer, I would rewind all my synths, all my samplers, all the electronic equipment back to the beginning, reseed it with new patches and new random numbers, and then put in some custom parameters as requested by the backer and re-export that album again from scratch and send that to them. And now they have a copy of this that is theirs and theirs alone. Uh, It is recognizable as the same album that hundreds of other people own, but there are happy accidents, certain sounds, distortions, confluences of different things, choices they made that only exist on theirs. And I think that's how, um, without being a musician who's had a 40-year career and is selling their greatest hit set, I think that's how you sell a $70 album today. Yeah, and here's what's wild about what you described, because absolutely true, in today's music industry, you can listen and be a huge fan of somebody like Beyonce without giving her any money because that's the, you know, that's how the industry has changed. But at the same time, those same changes in the industry and how they've made it easier than ever to create and distribute music has made it possible for you to create the album that you made, because I don't think somebody could create this album independently 20 years ago. Oh, I mean, certainly not. You do need the personal home recording studio to make something like this happen. I mean, during the recordings phase of this, I just had my equipment going next to me all day while I lived my life and worked from home, checking in every several minutes, rewind, increment the number, output file, please name it adrift, copy number A125, export, and then listen from the other room while I did the dishes or any number of other things, QAing as I went. Uh, If we were renting studio time, impossible. At a minimum, it took me about two hours to fulfill every copy of the album. One hour to export each of the tracks as per their copy, and then one hour to export the assembled copy of all the tracks into one completed thing. Um, If we were paying for studio time by the hour, that would have been impossible. I mean, so we're actually looking... Given the number of copies of this album I made, we're approaching a probably half a standard American working year of labor um, in terms of just time spent in front of the music application, scrambling and rewinding the tracks. Uh, it is a labor of love. It is, as the streets once said, the hardest way to make an easy living. Um, <laughs> but what is important to me no matter how impractical it might have been in terms of uh, return on time spent after the fact, is that I did it and that I proved it can be done. And I look back at this and say there are so many limitless amounts of music where you look at the finished track and you say, well, that's it. What does it mean that I completed the song called Love? Uh, Well, it's this. It's this MP3. And I can't say that. I can say it exists as sort of a general consensus across 310 different forms. And some of them you'll never hear because I sent them to people who then said, thanks, I'm locking this away and no one but me will ever hear it. <laughs> so that's real intimate, too. Sure. I mean, just just the idea that this industry has 
allowed, you know, has, has created a situation where somebody like you can sell effectively 310 copies of an album, but that was a successful cycle for you. 20 years ago, if somebody sells 310 copies of an album, they're homeless. But, you know, the whole model has changed. It's wild. And the industry is also smaller than it used to be because everything's kind of been brought together on the Internet. It's not only easier for you to reach your fans, but it's also easier for you to reach potential collaborators on this record. you got a lot of great voiceover artists from all over the country and probably all over the world to appear on this Music to Die Alone in Space 2 album, including one of my favorite creators ever. Mikey Newman of Movies with Mikey fame. We've actually talked him, talked about him before on this podcast because I'm a huge fan. And you got a bunch of other great creators as well. How did you sort of use today's technology to build these relationships to get these people on your album? It's very easy, you ask. Uh, there's, if you have money, because services cost money, and so having the Kickstarter funds in my pocket was a huge boon, um, you can come to people like, Laura Bailey, who I approached, I mean, she's the voice of half the characters in Blizzard games, uh, as well as many major animes. Um, I hear her voice every day while I play Hearthstone. I came to her and I said, one of the backers on this project said, I should ask you if you'll be a voice. Would you? And we were able to negotiate a rate, and we were. And so I just don't think there's anything out of reach when you're talking about something like this. Now, I had a uniquely cool project um, and I had very passionate fans who were able to keep recommending people. So I didn't, you know, come from a place where I was that familiar with Mikey Newman at first um, or very familiar with Brett Balfour or very familiar with uh, Chris Sabat. But people kept coming and the promise of this album was I'm going to take the funds you guys all gave to me. And I am going to use it to represent a giant cross-section of the voice performances you've asked for. That was part of my belief with the original project was that I wanted it to be a very personal horror. I want it to be your death story because we all have this fear and I wanted it to be someone you could recognize with. Um, so I made sure to represent voices of different genders, different languages different ethnicities, um, and you could get the voice performance that most felt like the astronaut is you. And then the other big customization, of course, was choosing the astronaut's death theme yourself. So this wound up getting me in the most trouble in this project, honestly, was uh, the ultimate customization, which is the coolest thing about it, and yet probably the thing that I might regret the most is that every backer could send in an mp3 could be whatever they wanted a song or a recording they made of um what the astronaut hears in their radio during track 10 when they're starting to lose consciousness uh and why do i say this is cool because people surprised me there were people sending songs in or recordings in i never could have thought why was it a thorn in my side? Um, it probably created the, it was the largest source of non-responsive backers. To this day, I haven't set out all 310 copies of the album. There are about 50 extant backers who never sent me an MP3. I can't make the album without that MP3. Huh. Uh, I, I email them, I reach out to them, I say, guys, I have your money, I want to give you your album. But maybe their emails are dead, or they bounce, or I have no way to get in touch with them. And so I sort of think that had I 
not had that extra level of involvement, then then I would maybe have had all 310 delivered by now instead of being about 50 short. Now, the other reason, though, that it was a thorn in my side is because I had not expected to get that many feels. So oh. this is where I, I got about 80 copies in. I, I recorded all 310 copies of the music. But remember how I said I had to record every track first? Then I would do packagings and fulfillments where I'd combine 12 unique tracks plus your requested customizations, bundle and send. So I got about 80 packagings in before I couldn't take uh, hearing another person's. I mean, this this album was incredibly important to me because it deals with so many like incredibly traumatic uh, things I've gone through. But then to have somebody send me um, the sample of their audio that they want their astronaut to hear is like, they recorded their wife saying, don't leave me, honey, I'm going to miss you so much or something. Oh and I have to hear that while that copy goes. And I'm just sobbing because on top of this traumatic experience, I'm reliving every time I hear it. I've got like new feels on top of it. And that's when I started working with my wife. And I said, you have to help me assemble these and send the rest out. I can't do anymore. Like I'm destroyed. I'm having nightmares because um, people are making it way more real than I can handle it being. Uh, and um, thank, just, I'm so thankful to her for coming in. And uh, we, you know, like split the proceeds from the rest of the Kickstarter. Um, and she helped me get the rest of them across the finish line, which has just been huge. I mean, the conventional way art's supposed to work is the creator supposed to create something that's supposed to emotionally move the audience. But the very nature of your project and how, collaborative it is with your listeners means that they have the ability to affect you emotionally as much as you affect them. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I had not expected that they could send me material for including in the albums as part of their customization that would depress me, the creator of the album about asphyxiating in the middle of nowhere in a spacesuit. It would depress me more than I was supposed to depress them. <laughs> But they they surprised me over and over again. Well, um, gosh, there was some cool stuff. I don't want to say, I mean, too many more. But there were, I mean, there was people including songs that I just like. Can now I can never hear that song again now that I heard it in the context of being overlaid with like Mikey Newman's sobbing voice <laughs> saying that he's dying. Oh man. <laughs> well, all of this is possible because as we were discussing earlier, the world is smaller now. Spruik yeah. can reach out to other collaborators with the, you know just a few strokes on his keyboard, and more importantly, and 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 you can interact with these fans on a one to one basis because of how small the world is. And I think what makes all of this particularly fascinating is the world. Another consequence of the world being so small here is that you can create this music career in a secondary music market. You know, you you're you're. When people think of an electronic music hotbed bill, their first thought isn't Buffalo, New York, but you're having a great career in a city like that. So for the indie artists out there who are trying to create a music career for themselves and maybe don't live in one of the more conventional music markets, do you have any advice for them? How have you been able to do great things in Buffalo? I mean, the the secret is I don't live in Buffalo. I live on Twitter. Nah. And I would say that... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm the physical location doesn't matter. It's nice to have a couple live gigs out, but I have so many fans and they're all over the world and I can't get 20 of them to show up to see me in Buffalo. And that's fine because they show up on the retweets and on the Kickstarters and on the Patreon. Uh, and so in particular, if I can gripe about a certain school of advice, I follow like CD baby and disc makers on Twitter and I followed their blogs for a long time. They're always putting out like indie band advice. And honestly, I find that stuff to be getting so dated so fast because they still put out these things like 10 ways to like make sure you're flyering correctly for your live gig. <laughs> and I would be of the opinion that flyering at all is incorrect. Um, run a Facebook ad or like don't play a gig, but play a live stream instead. All my shows are live streamed now. You know, the people are online. Why would you want to restrict it to a community of one city, the people who can fit in the door versus everyone with an internet connection. I think we're having one of the executives from TuneCore on in a couple of weeks. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear all this. <laughs> I mean, they all put out that uh, advice, you know, ways to make sure your CD release party is off the hook. Like, <laughs> no thanks. Like the, the, none of that advice has applied to me. I'm not a band. I don't do sound checks. I don't, talk to my drummer about how I'm splitting cash with the tambourine guest artist. Like none of that. I've got, you know, contracts that I'm going to be sending out to voice actors. Well, and here's the other thing just on a completely different note, but you were talking about the world getting smaller. You can be the tiniest vertical. Now I heard this band called captain Dan and the scurvy crew. And it was pirate rap music. And uh, I mean, that's an excessive, that's an excessive example and more of a novelty, but I don't think that I ever could have imagined that this many people would enjoy an ambient album that kind of sounds like video game background music with a narrated voiceover for like the concept was everything. The music was like, how would you like to feel like you're in the background of Tron? I guess. Well, Laura Bailey talks, it doesn't sound like <laughs> the new dead mouse or the new maroon five. That's for sure. But I think the world has gotten so specific that you can find these incredibly narrow verticals and then people start opening their minds. They're they're caught up on the individual album thing and maybe they're falling in love with ambient electronic music in a way they had not thought possible because they were busy listening to Drake until then. Well, there's certainly uh -huh. a lot to fall in love with with this kind of music. And I think that's a great segue to talk about your new project. Uh, because this looks really cool and it might actually be a nice opportunity for some of our artists listeners out there to get involved with one of your projects. You're about to launch, I guess, sort of a spiritual sequel of sorts to music to die alone in space too. I know you haven't released a ton of details about it yet. You know, you're kind of keeping things quiet from what I've seen on your Kickstarter, but what can you tell us about it? Here's the most I can tell. Um, so music to die alone in space Two proved that it is possible to full follow through on a business model where I can record a unique copy of an album for every backer up to at least 300 albums. Uh, by the way, next time around, you better believe that I am focusing heavily on expedited fulfillment. I'm making it so that I can output entire albums with one click. I <laughs> am definitely <laughs> trying to minimize labor on that front, sure. but that's neither here nor there. Um, the, now this builds on that. So already taking for granted 
that it's possible to have this business model. The next album introduces a new type of storytelling that's only possible if you build on what Music to Die Alone and Space 2 invented. So in Music to Die Alone and Space 2, everybody got the same story, just read by a different person. Now, the new album takes the form of an open-world, open-ended mystery where all the clues are scattered across the hundreds of individual copies of the album I'm going to make. So it's set in the not near but not distant future, the mid-future, and you are collecting all this audio and hearing these tapes people made. And on each copy, there are clues being sampled randomly from the tapes, pieces of short stories. Your copy might include over the ambient music somebody saying, get back here, or I'll, I'll never see my daughter again. That was before the streets ran red with blood. Something, I don't know. What's gone wrong here? That's all you get. Maybe the next segment of that tape is on a different backer's individual copy. So this is a truly unprecedented kind of storytelling. Everyone is going to need to pool their copies together to reverse engineer out what it is that's gone so horribly wrong, why all the people are gone, what the, the tales are. I need to know what happens next to this cliffhanger I heard a piece of on my copy. Someone else has that piece. Oh, man, that's wild. It, and it, it sort of incentivizes all of your listeners to create a community amongst each other to help solve this mystery together. Uh, yes, and I... I'm sure that they may do things like uh, have a hashtag or duke it out in the comments or start a subreddit or something. But as the uh, progenitor and inventor of the, the mystery, I will have to take a back seat and not interfere in how it all comes out. It will be full of Easter eggs uh, as well as red herrings. I'm collaborating with writers. So uh, this is where I, I am a talented writer but maybe not to the tune of uh, there will be hundreds and hundreds of minutes of source audio to pull from that these snippets are going to come from to make sure there's enough mystery to go around. And uh, I can't write all of them. So I'm also uh, engaging with other writers and short story essayists and novelists and bloggers to contribute material to make up pieces of the tapes. We're going to get them all cross-referencing. We're going to have loose ends that don't get tied up, uh, red herrings, hints, clues. And I think that actually um, people are very clever, and you cannot underestimate how smart people are in groups. I wouldn't be surprised if people have the majority of it uh, all kind of pieced together who the different players are just by the time the Kickstarter funds. But boy, if there aren't going to be these little hints of things surprising people for months to come as the copies arrive. Oh, I'm so deliriously excited for this project. This is, this seems so, so cool. I love artists, you know, indie artists doing creative things with the medium and changing the very notion of what it means to just make art in this uh, new industry. Very, very cool. Um, I, I, w I would love to be able to talk to you just forever and ever, um, but I know you're keeping a lot of the details quiet and you know, we, we've already gone way over time on this interview, but I, I still want to close the interview with the uh, same way that I close every interview. Now, 
I always ask artists, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners to help them move their careers forward? But I don't know if you remember, but last time I asked you this question when I had you on in 2015, you weren't content with giving just one tip. You proceeded to machine gun about a dozen different tips in quick succession, and they were all great. So I think I want to do that again because... You know, you're you're more knowledgeable about how to be a successful indie artist than I could ever have any right to be. So I just want to give you the floor. Can you just close us out with some great tips, Bill? All right. Here comes the tips. Uh, if you're doing a Kickstarter that promises 300 unique albums per listener, don't set a delivery time of three months out in the future. No, <laughs> seriously, though. Here are some tips. Uh, if you are on Twitter, you should reply to or favorite every tweet that is sent to you. If it asks a question, it is very important to always reply to the person so they are incentivized to talk to you again and they don't think that you are just yelling into the void. If you have nothing meaningful to say in the reply, you should favorite it. That is not required on Facebook, where it is helpful to like them, but people do not generally expect replies, and Facebook isn't great about telling people that you have replied. If you are courting a younger or tween audience, you probably have to be on Snapchat. I do not feel it is necessary for people working in niche or indie markets, because we may not have interesting things to snap at all hours of the day. I have myself have not cracked the puzzle of Instagram yet, but I am working on it. If you are doing a Kickstarter and you are do, doing collaborations with big names, please get the big names lined up before you begin your Kickstarter uh, so that you can have the star power of those names recognized before you the whole time. If you are on Patreon, please send patron updates constantly. Whenever I don't send patron updates for about a month, I lose patrons. I gain patrons whenever I am sending them on a weekly or better basis. What else do I have? I had one more thing. Uh, oh yeah, however weird your niche is, somebody out there is into it. If you're Captain Dan and the Scurvy Gang and you want to make pirate rap, don't worry. Your friends won't like it, and your mom who likes Maroon 5 won't like it, but it's not <laughs> for them. And somebody with a weird-looking avatar on Twitter will like it. Outstanding! That's how you give some tips, folks. Check out his many awesome projects by visiting www.spruke.net. Spruke, thank you very much for being on the show. You are very welcome, sir. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Woo! Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Bill Bolden, a.k.a. DJ Spruik, for joining us in the previous segment. Good to always have a friend of the show joining us. Be sure to check out his website, Spruik.net, and keep an eye on his upcoming Kickstarter project, the campaign for which will be starting very, very soon. Love that guy. I'm so glad he made the time for us again. And uh, I, I wonder if the if there are folks who've just been with us since episode four or six or whenever it was that he was first with us who actually remember that first interview and get like the full sense of continuity and wow, they're bringing back old friends of the show. I imagine most of the people that's not the case for them because uh, we had a lot of late arrivals to this podcast recently. Yep. Anyway, um, I see on the board we're doing this next. Live from the Brown Derby in Hollywood and Vine in sunny and beautiful Hollywood, California, it's Dan's Movie Minute. Come on in while we discuss motion pictures, stars, and all the goings on around town. Good afternoon, Ryan. 
I hope uh, you, you finish your matzo ball soup there that you got here at uh, the Brown Derby. Now, now, I noticed that's a good move. You, you, you didn't get it here. You, you ordered it at Cantor's and brought it over. That was a good job. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they let me bring that here. I guess that was, so. must have been a, a harrowing walk up Fairfax, though, with a bowl of matzo ball soup in your hands. That voice makes me laugh. You probably could have just, time. you know, put it in a container. <laughs> I don't know why I walked with the bowl. The most underrated thing about the imaging is just the way that you, because you're talking to your character here, um, says the word movie and movie minute. Just Dave's movie minute. It just makes you know, me laugh Ryan, every time. Because considering this is the last show of the show. It's not the last show! You know, you always keep referring to characters. I don't know why. <laughs> you simply are trying to tear down the psyche and the self-esteem of the fine gentlemen that are on this program. <laughs> I like the way you said program. Anyway, we've got some news. All right. Some stars. The first one, Daniel Craig. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bond, James Bond, has confirmed that he will, in fact, return as Bond, James Bond, in Bond 25. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, slated for release already November 8th, 2019. Mark your calendars, please. So, do you have more news, or can I comment on this? I, I don't. I don't want to mess up your flow. Well, no, there was some speculation, Ryan, whether or not uh, he would even return to the franchise. Uh, yours truly over here knew he would. Oh, you, you as an you, you had some inside. Of course, Ryan. I'm a, <laughs> the insider. Well, that's uh. I'm a Hollywood insider. Trademark. That was really big, big of you to like not leak that news early because I'm sure you know Daniel probably told you ahead of time, but you wanted oh, to keep Ryan, his confidence. Journalistic integrity—it's a must. It's under attack these days, and Dave's moving minute is a beacon <laughs> for journalistic integrity here in these troubled times. If nothing else, you can always come to us. Your trusted entertainment news. It's, it's almost like I'm Entertainment Weekly trademark. <laughs> That's not how trademarks work. Yes, did it you is. not listen to the first segment? You have to register with USPTO.com of course not. Of course and, and not, use the mark in commerce.gov. What the heck are you talking about, buddy? USPTO.gov. Did I say dot com? This sounds like some sort of Jerry uh, trick up your sleeve, Ryan. You can't trust them, the Nazis. They, they're on the march, Ryan. Not much has changed here in the 40s. The Nazis are still around trying to infiltrate America. Did you know that, Ryan? But luckily, Captain America is going to stop them. Oh, is that right? And our boys in blue and green, all around the world, fighting. Fighting those Nazi bastards. Well, Wherever they live. You must, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a bad couple of weeks, but it's been encouraging to hear that a lot of indie artist platforms like CD Baby and Spotify have actually taken hate bands off of their websites. That's uh, right, Ryan. It's cool. Even though they are subjects of the British crown right now, we applaud our, the boys in India for taking their fight also to the Axis. India? Yeah, he said India artists. No. <laughs> what? Come on, man. Ryan, what year are you living in? Good God, <laughs> I man. Pull yourself you, together. Look, I don't know why I said earlier I'm excited for Daniel Craig to come back as James Bond. I have not liked the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. They've just been very sadistic, and you know he, you know James Bond used to be fun and interesting and shaken, not stirred, and look how cool and interesting and savvy I am. And this, and this Bond is just like angry and brooding, and like just kills everybody all the time. Like Ryan, it's a product of the times. Did you notice that uh, film and cinema kind of went a bit dark in the 1970s? That was the reflection of the times, Ryan. That's that's what art does. Perhaps perhaps you should learn to do 
Well, what are you do? But maybe, maybe I want to escape from how crappy the world is around me by watching a fun, debonair, suave secret agent okay, instead right. of just seeing a window to the shitty world that's around me. All right. Well, we hear Dave's movie a minute happy for Daniel Craig and a non-bond-knowing uh, Philistine like Ryan over here. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But speaking of escapist fair, Ryan Disney yep. and their attempt to control the world a little bit more. <laughs> You know, they are going to have their own streaming service online coming on, I think, in the next year or two, which means they will be pulling all their titles from Netflix and every other streaming service and forming their own. Wow. I did Frankly, hear that. Frankly, we'd rather have Disney, you know, control the world than Nazis. But, you know, that's the <laughs> controversial opinion of Dave's Movie Minute. Nazis <laughs> are bad. And you know who thinks so, too? The president, FDR. Didn't take him that long to figure that out. <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. Yep, so Disney streaming, Ryan, and this is interesting because it brings up a possible shift in the paradigm of how movies will be released. Possibilities include a simultaneous in-theater, on-demand release of major motion pictures. How about that? Oh, that would be cool if Disney just put out their stuff right on the streaming platform along with the movie theaters, just skip the movie theaters entirely. That would really make theaters what? nervous. Ryan, what the heck is wrong with you? What? Skip theaters entirely? Sitting in the dark there on the big screen with the sound all around you with your fellow man right next to you? What are you, some kind of hermit, some kind of closed-minded uh, hun, you those, know, you, you, you jerry-basted you? Those are the times we're living in. Theaters are dying. Have you heard about this movie pass thing? Actually, I have, I'm, and I, it sounds intriguing, but uh, I've got to imagine there's some fine print there. Well, um... $10 a month, I believe, Yeah. which gets you unlimited access for a movie ticket a day at a theater. That's right. I mean, so theoretically, you can see 31 pictures for just ten dollars. Well, the movie month. theaters still get paid from the movie pass, so they still get the full price for their ticket for movie pass, and you just pay your ten dollars a month. And I know you're probably thinking, how does movie pass make money off this and not just hemorrhage a lot of cash? Um, I think they're money laundering, or it's, or maybe it's possible that it's like a Ponzi scheme or something like that. Oh. Or actually, I think it's a Nazi scheme. I said Ponzi scheme. No, I, I, what it actually is is they, they're also collecting data on the users, and that data has value as well. Oh, oh I know Big Brother when I see it. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, you can't get me, Hitler. <laughs> what? Try as hard as you might. I mean, for somebody like me who sees three or four movies a week, that movie pass thing sounds intriguing. I could save a lot of money. You do not see three or four movies a week. I, call, I am calling you a liar, That's sir. not true. I, 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 I call, What was the last movie you saw no, in theaters? No, sorry, sorry. I just... Three or four movies a month. I don't know why I said a week. That's ridiculous. I still think you're full of baloney. Ryan, the next up, Ryan, let's see here. We got uh, Hamilton is opening in Los Angeles, running from, uh, all, like, what was it, two, a few days ago all the way to December. And opening ticket requests are through the roof just like they are in New York. But Lin-Manuel Miranda says, hey, I can't even give them out, even to all these big stars. Why is that movie news? Because the stars want to go oh, see it, okay. Ryan. You, 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 and they also you want to learn that about, in there at the end to make it movie learn news. about history, too, American history. It's not, <laughs> that's why it's called Hamilton, not called Bismarck. <laughs> I can't, can't help but notice a thinly veiled political message in much of your movie minute report. Well, here. Ryan, you know, all the big stars, they did their part in joining the Air Force and all the Women's Army Corps, doing their things, make motion pictures to defeat Hitler and Tojo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer, Ryan. No-brainer. Absolutely. Absolutely easy thing to do. Hitler bad. <laughs> Don't know why Ryan. this is so hard for people. Yes. Speaking of Hitler, the Olympics. <laughs> what? 
What year do you think this is, movie Dave? Well, Ryan, he hosted the 1936 Berlin Olympics, and um, Jesse Owens blew him out of the water. So much for your Aryan racial superiority nonsense. Jesse Owens went patooey on that, Mr. Hitler. Is there any movie news there? Or are you just bringing up Jesse Owens? Oh, no, no, Ryan. The, the Olympics are probably going to be coming to uh, Los Angeles, California in 2028. I read about that. That's exciting. It is, Ryan. And currently right now, this Los Angeles City Council voted 12 no, to, ne, to zero, pardon me, to move ahead, move forward with the planning approval for uh, all the sort of stuff going on, Ryan. Now, of course, the Olympics are known to drain local economies and create uh, absolute hellscape of a nightmare uh, post-Olympic venue, kind of like Athens, which currently resides in about 2000 BC because of the Olympics. <laughs> but Ryan, the city officials are saying, with all the existing structures such as the Staples Center, all the, the Rose Bowl, all the stadiums and whatnot, and the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, that there'll be no need to make new venues. Cemetery? I, yeah, yeah, they'll probably have something in there. <laughs> Right, but I'm looking forward to because there's going to be some brand new uh, twists on events in order to fit the L.A. Uh, sort of geography and everything, Ryan. For instance, the hurdles will now be conducted during rush hour traffic on the 405 with jumping over the cars. That's hey. right, Ryan. The decathlon, a really grueling event never before seen here where all, the participants are going to have to get off the ground, a, get green light, a script, from uh, writing all the way through production through sort of 10 levels of Hollywood executives. Oh, boy, the attrition rate's going to be brutal there. <laughs> oh, you tell me you have more, no? Well, we're going uh, to have the long jump, Ryan, who can uh, get the heck over the Hollywood sign. We don't really have that much hope. And, of course, there will be... There were going to be some... No, Ryan, because you got to jump like across the side. Oh, from, very, from the very, H, very from good. The, from the H all the way to uh, the D. It's, oh. very, it's very long, Ryan. That's right. In fact, it's probably harder to long jump it than high jump it. That's fair. Exactly. <laughs> They're looking into it. <laughs> right? But all water events will be canceled due to no water in the Los Angeles County area. Oh. Anyway, we look forward to uh, all sorts of uh, great things. And the red carpet. Oh, boy. The red carpet of the Olympics is going to be absolutely amazing. Meryl Streep's probably going to win a gold medal, too, because that's how good she is. <laughs> oh. But I think that's, that, that's all the news that's fit to uh, print and everything, uh, Ryan. And uh, once again, just in case it wasn't perfectly clear, Nazis are bad. Oh, awesome. Uh, awesome on all fronts is always... Movie Dave, a fantastic movie minute. Um, oh, I, I, I do just want to go right into the next one. I think we have another appearance here. Yeah, I, I came back from the break. I'm going oh. out from the first segment. Okay, let me let, let me get back. Okay. Oh. oh, oh, pardon me, good sir. I didn't know you were sitting in here. Oh, you're Canada Dave. I, I have never met you in person before. Heard you were. <laughs> Love it. I'd like, to, I'd like to give you my card because I, I, I do do some representation on the side and everything. And I'm wondering, how, how, how's he paying you? Well, 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 he's not, eh, right? Because you, you know, you, you said that there's no money coming in, right, eh? That's accurate. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, here. Yeah. Buddy, are you part of a union? Well, uh, I mean, the union of beer lovers, I guess, and and maple syrup lovers, five hundred four. That one actually is true. No, what about SAG-AFTRA? Oh, what, what's that, buddy? Ryan, you just this man not know what SAG-AFTRA is? What kind of what kind of <laughs> dog and pony show are you running here? One of the most underrated things about this show is when Dave has to switch between voices like that. It's magical. Just magical. Okay, I feel like he's he, he he's he's like trying to deflect something here. What's that after, buddy? 
Okay, well, SAG Act represents approximately 160,000 actors, announcers, broadcast journalists, dancers, DJs, news writers, news editors, program hosts, puppeteers, recording artists, singers, stunt performers, voiceover artists, and other media professionals. That's what that sounds like, you, my good friend. You're not right. He's got a point. <laughs> I feel like SAG AFTRA could probably give me some representation and help me out here. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you should unionize. I'm gonna do some research in the back over here. You do your thing, and I'll be I'll back back. I'll get back to you. Okay. All right. You you just keep doing it. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Hey hey hey, buddy. That guy's a buddy. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's filling your head with a lot of bad thoughts. Hmm. Okay. So so capital is saying no. You, you think that's bad? That's right. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna see where this thing goes. Oh. It's almost. I'm gonna have to labor for some sort of decision here. <laughs> Good to have you back, candidate. Good to be back after 15 minutes or so of a break. Ryan, as we teased earlier, ahem, 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 ahem. Oh, Canada, ahem. What? Clear <laughs> my throat. Oh, very good. Oh, Canada. It's time for Ryan, it's time to play a rousing game of Hockey Hall of Famer or Hoser Talk. Oh, great. Yes, we heard, you know, you said you were at the Hockey Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and you, you really should have been paying attention there, buddy. Okay, so here we go. Okay. Ryan, Silas Griffiths. Okay, so I'm guessing is is this a ho- the question is is it a hockey hall of famer or is that hoser talk yeah. Silas Griffiths? Um, I'm gonna I've never heard of that person, so I'm gonna say that's hoser talk. Okay, Ryan, that's a hall of famer. Uh, Silas was Damn inducted it. in 1950. You know, he was born in Kansas in uh, 1883. Right? You know what? He played for the Rat Portage Thistles from 1901 to 1905, then the Kenora Thistles from 05 to 07, and of course. Yeah, you know, sort of ended his career with the Vancouver Millionaires from 1911 to 1918. There was a team called the Thistles. Yeah, two teams. I'm guessing it's probably the same team that relocated, right? I can't imagine. Maybe. I can't imagine he just happened to get traded to a team maybe. also called the Thistles. Yeah, but you know, yeah, his yeah, playing career ended in 1918. Not sure why. Maybe he went over to fight uh, the Germans, which were bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right? Did you know that the Canadians took part in D-Day? I didn't know that. Yeah, they landed on uh, the beaches of Normandy. They had their own beach. Oh. Yeah, fighting the Nazis. Good for them. That's yeah. fantastic. You know who, who who doesn't equivocate on Nazis, Ryan? Trudeau. <laughs> yes, indeed. He takes very controversial, hard-line stances, such as Nazis are bad. Yes, indeed. Yep. Uh, boy, do I wish we could trade leaders right now. Okay, right. Neil Armstrong. Well, that's the guy who walked on the moon. But wait, 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 wait. It's a common name. There could be a Neil Armstrong skating around. Oh, wow. Boy, um, taking out uh, American hero astronaut Neil Armstrong with a common name joke. I mean, it's common enough that it, no, I'm 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 assuming that you're just talking about the astronaut here, so I'm going to say it's hoser talk. Okay, Ryan, that's wrong. Neil Armstrong is a hockey Hall of Fame member as a referee. Oh, for God's sake! Okay, Ryan, they let referees in the Hall yep. of Fame. You right. let anybody in okay. there, man? It's a freaking revolving door. In the okay, Hall of Ryan, Fame. let's go. They here. let me in there. That's true, and you're you're. Oh God, you're you're goalie style. <laughs> and I don't even hold left the stick a the right to way. Be desired, more like a noly, because <laughs> you shouldn't be one. A guy that can't even skate well, you couldn't even do that. Without the skates. Without just standing, the skates. Just, just flat standing there. All right, Ryan. Dare Trommler. No, that's that's hoser talk. Ryan, that's a Rush song. Damn it! I mean, I got it right, but... Uh, no, nope, Ryan, the, 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 you did not give me the correct answer. I have to... Oh, wait, so when it's a Rush something, I actually have to say it's Rush? Duh. Oh, for God's sake. All right. Um, then I guess I got that you, one wrong. Union update for Canada Day. Looks like we got we may be in business here. You keep Quiet, going. you! Hmm. 
This seems an interesting uh, argument happening between two sides. <laughs> anyway, Ryan, Angela James. Angela James. I mean, <laughs> I haven't picked hockey player yet, so I'm going to say, yes, hockey hall of famer. You know, Ryan, it was interesting seeing your thought process here because I can tell that it wasn't about picking a hockey player. You were worried about, do I think women are allowed in the Hockey Hall of Fame? That's what your main thought was. Is it embarrassing that like we went through the Hall of Fame so quickly and just played the video games that I didn't even bother to see if there were women in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I'm Ryan, sure... not only are there women in the Hall of Fame, but Angela James is widely considered the Wayne Gretzky of women's hockey, okay? She led the women's Canadian team to four gold medals, okay? Yes, so-and-so. Oh, good for her. You're such a hoser, right? Yeah, Not Angela even knowing James, who yeah. Angela James is. I bet. What do you mean? Dog. I knew she was a Hockey Hall of Famer. I'm an expert. Mm. I mean, only one of us has graced the Hockey Hall of Fame with his presence. Yes, but only one of us has scored a breakaway goal on a pack of wolves. Don't, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask the, the the specifics. It was it was sort of a goal for my life, as it was <laughs> as it was told to me. It, it was a, an amazing moment. Probably I couldn't repeat it again. But thank God it was just a one-off, and they let me live. <laughs> kind of like Escape from L.A. when Snake Plissken's got to make the, those basketball shots in that court in the yeah. middle of L.A. Stadium. And then for some reason, all the guys with guns around the fence are shooting inward and don't hit each other. Kind of weird. Wow, yeah. Wow, that just ruined that scene for me. Okay. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Rod Langway. Rod Langway. Um, in the last, I mean, I have no idea, but the last one was a Hockey Hall of Famer, so I'm going to say this one is Hoser Talk. Oh, Ryan, Rod Langway, Hawk Hockey Hall of Famer, born in Taiwan. Really? Wow. There is a that, history. That must be an interesting of, backstory his, there. History of Asian players in hockey, Ryan. It's a game for everyone, Ryan. Okay? Are you sure this is actually an Asian player, not just some guy who grew up on a military base or something? No comment. Because, like, Rod Langway. Like, if I, look, if I look up Rod Langway, is he going to look like somebody who's named Rod Langway? Yeah. Complete with mustache. Ron? Is it Ron or Rod? Rod. Rod. Wait, you're not allowed to use a computer during this game. This is I'm cheating, just, folks. We already answered this one. There's no... Okay, I'm looking at this guy. <laughs> yes, he was born in Taiwan, but I mean, I assume that there's a backstory there that's got to be pretty damn interesting because he's wow. clearly not Asian. Drawing lines, eh, Ryan? <laughs> okay. Okay, I think you're spending too much time in America, buddy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, buddy. Jan Benda. That doesn't even sound like a real name. That's hoser talk. Can I ask, what are you saying is hoser talk? I don't think this person's a Hockey Hall of Famer. Okay, that's correct. Jan Benda is a German player, but not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He just played, He wasn't, but he wasn't quite good enough. Yeah, right. The majority of players aren't in the Hockey <laughs> Hall of Fame, okay? <laughs> this, this, this is such a weird guy right here. Okay, Ryan, Ty Shan. Um... This seems like the setup to a joke. I'm going to say hoser talk. It's so funny, Ryan, how you think you see things coming. Ryan, that's a Rush song. No! Ty Shan? Yep. Okay. Well, yep. Rush was nice enough to have two songs that kind of sound like names. I was going to say Tom <sighs> Sawyer, but that was kind of obvious. Yeah. See, next time we do one of these segments, I'm just going to have uh, Rush's entire discography in front of me so you can't blindside okay, me. Okay, Ryan, Jeremy Roenick. Ooh, Jeremy Roenick. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? I think he just got in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a Hall of Famer. That's wrong. Oh, really? Really? Damn it. 
He's been out of the league for a while. They haven't put him in the Hall of Fame. He's yet? been in the league for a while. Or he's been out of the league for a while. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. All right. I'm not hockey guy. You're like the only hockey fan in South Florida. All right. Don't don't judge. <laughs> At least I knew Jeremy Roenick was part of NBC's broadcast team. Yeah. I mean, he's been out. I mean, he's, he was in the league a long time ago. Like, I remember playing with Jeremy Roenick, like, on Sega Genesis. So, I mean. I thought for a second you were going to say you were never playing with Jeremy Roenick, and I was kind of called baloney on that, sir. Except, I mean, but I, I, I've been, I'm in the Hockey Hall of Fame. What do you mean? Why couldn't I play with Jeremy Roenick? Okay, we've got breaking news right now. I think I've done some research. Canada Dave, you, Metal Dave, every single iteration of a sidekick on this show needs to unionize immediately and walk away in order to get paid, get health benefits, overtime, all sorts of OSHA protections and everything, because there's a wild dog that sometimes camps out around this studio and attacks people mercilessly. You guys got to unionize right now. Hey, 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 that's ridiculous. Okay, okay you're making some good points. I, th- I We got we to gotta walk. Yeah, we, we, we got to walk. Okay, let, all, let's go, everybody. Yeah, you heard the man. It's time to go. We're uni- break the business is unionizing. Man, wait, they're all leaving? Yeah, we're going to join the, the they're going to join the PGA, right? Not the Producers Guild of America, the Podcasters Guild of America. Trademark. That's not how you trademark stuff. Listen to the first segment. Wait, you're all like Metal Dave is leaving too? Yeah, buddy. All right, I'm sick and tired of being abused by you. All right, I'm the one that does the abusing in hell. And also, I want a 401k in dental, you son of a bitch. <laughs> No, this is terrible. We're all going away. Yes, that's right. So we have nothing to do with you. And oh, get the quad, Dave, too? We're all going away. You enjoy your little show with them. We gotta go now. We're gonna go. There's gonna be no more shows. The last show is. This is not the last show. We're so close to episode 100. Hi, everybody. We're out of here.